from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really ain't no crime. Living, loving, Okay, uh, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I am talking about having a good time. I'm getting on it. Uh, we got a lot of stuff happening. I got an episode that I'm going to record today all about bombing and what it's like to be on stage and bomb, and I'm going to share some people's stories. Uh, as usual, I have... I have read the stories, uh, but I haven't read them well enough to be able to read them as clear as I'd like to. I'll stumble around. I'll sound like, you know, a moron, and uh, and we'll all get through it. And honestly, it's going to be a great time. Um, I had a great show last night at Zany's. Very good. Um, but, you know, uh, later in this episode, I'm going to have guest Mike James, uh, comic out of Nashville. He's he's done quite a few things. He travels the road with Lonnie Love. He used to travel with Ralphie May. Um, you know, he's a, a real uh, good comic. People like him. He's done my show a few times, and uh, people always think he's very funny. Um, sorry, I was reading a text, but... So let's get into the where we've been, where we're going. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Okay, so where have I been? Last week I went to Syracuse, New York to the Funny Bone. Uh, it was my return to the Funny Bone in Syracuse. And... Uh, I had a great time. I had a great time. The staff was very nice to me. Everybody treated me well. I got in the night before, so I didn't have to fly right in and do a um, do a show, which was nice. Um, I had a great time at the Funny Bone. Uh, before I go into the Funny Bone, let's do this segment. We haven't done a food on the road in a while. And you know what? When I landed in Syracuse, I was at the hotel and I wanted to go get some food. So I got a ride from the uh, uh, hotel. They had a van and the van seemed to not be able to switch out of first gear. So the engine was just like the whole way we were down there. And the guy was not happy about it. But he did take me there to the gym diner is where I went. Old school diner had a steak because I'm back on meat. And I had some tater tots, which goes against... Uh, what I've been learning about how um, you should not do food combinations like that. Actually, I've been told that meat and potatoes as a combo are not that good for you, especially people with low stomach acid like I may have, uh, because the carb will soak up all your stomach acid, so it you can't digest the meat as well, and so... Uh, but I broke that rule. I had a few tater tots. I don't always go to a restaurant that has tater tots, but when I do, I order them. I'm into it. I got, I got, 
I got a love for tater tots. Back in the day, I went on a couple of dates uh, to Cafe Coco, and I remember one date I ordered a thing of tater tots, and I do not think, well, I think two dates I ordered a thing of tater tots, and I don't think either of those dates were impressed by that. Um, but I don't know what to tell people. You know what I mean? I'm trying, I'm the type of guy that's trying to get some tater tots out here. And if, you know, women can't handle it, then that, that, you know, or, you know, women or men, whoever, whoever you're dating, I was always dating women, but, um, if they can't handle it, then, um, I don't know what to tell them. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a tater tot man. So, okay. That made no sense, but (laughs) this is what happens when you're sitting in a room trying to talk to yourself. Um, and, but Syracuse, all right, let's talk about that. First show, first show really packed. I'm going to state for the record, I had fun during all of these shows, but I like to give a, a run of and cycle of emotions because that's what this podcast is about anyways, about bombing and you can have emotions with it. So I want to say that even when the shows are going well and you've been doing comedy for roughly 12 years, like I have, uh, the emotions can still be there with things. And even a show that's it's not a bad show, but it's not as good as what you've been having. Um, it can still send you in those same kind of emotions, you know. So Friday I get there, pack show. Uh, I felt like it went pretty well. I was like, all right, I like that show. I, was like, I felt like the crowd was a little low energy, maybe not as into the show as I'd like. But overall, great show. You know, I'm, I'm up here talking about, you know, Gatlinburg, Tennessee and airbrush t-shirts and I'm in Syracuse, New York. I can't expect them to understand all my references. So I'm not upset about it. Late show, little less of a crowd, little drunker of a crowd. I think a lady had to be asked to be quiet a couple of times, but great show. I mean, I got right in there, had a great time. I was like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, wow, love that show. Went home feeling great. Saturday comes around. I, oh, uh, on Saturday, I went to a Syracuse basketball game. Some fans uh, that came to the show on Friday invited me out to a basketball game. And I, th- I looked up on uh, Google Maps, and that stadium was a 10-minute Uber from my hotel. And I said, yeah, let's do it. I don't know anything about Syracuse basketball, but it sounds like a good time. So I went down there. It was raining. It was a little bit of a slush as they call it, where the it's raining, it's not quite cold enough to be snow, but it's not warm enough to be just full on water. So it's a little bit of a slush. I almost fell down out on the sidewalk, but I um, um, I got picked up, you know, by, by an Uber, and I went to the game. Great game. The people that that were there with me, uh, very fun. Uh, a guy named Ryan, and um, we just had a good time out there. And, you know, uh, apparently in um, Syracuse, they do a thing where they clap until Syracuse scores, first half and second half. So the second half, we were doing it, and they were not scoring that fast. And I was like, okay, wonder when this is going to happen. And uh, and then they did score. But anyway, uh, I was into it. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I'm I'm a little distracted because I was trying to find something here as I was talking. I hate getting names wrong of people. So, Ryan, I can't find our messages that we sent before. I and I you know and I'm just like I you know, certain people get very sensitive about names like if you get their name wrong. But I'm not I'm not that sensitive about other people's names because I'm not that sensitive about my own name. My name is Dusty. 
I've been called Dustin, Rusty, Justin. One guy even called me Chris for a while. He was so off, I didn't even want to correct him. I've been called all kinds of things, so it doesn't bother me when people don't remember my name. But some people do, and I don't like getting people's names wrong because of that. Nevertheless, what a great time. And then, so Saturday rolls around, and I I had walked around the mall. The Funny Bone is in the mall. Um, It always sounds funny to say that a club is in the mall, but a lot of clubs are in malls, and once you're in the club, you don't think about being in the mall. But I'm in there, and Saturday, the early show, very packed. The early show was a lot like the early show Friday, where I was like, okay, a little bit of a low-energy crowd, but we're going to, you know, we're going to turn it around on the late show. It's going to be great. And then the late show, still pretty packed crowd, but a little bit worse on the energy scale. You know, I thought I'd hit them with the Home Depot joke, a little suicide joke right off the bat, get them, get them jarred a little bit, get them into it. And I got some groans. Um, and I just was like, oh, okay. And then by the end of the show, I had really won them over, but, um, Typically, what I like to do is win them over immediately. I like for just my sheer charm and good looks to just have the audience go, wow, we like this guy. So sometimes you have to work for it. And I had to work for it this weekend, and I loved it. And then Sunday rolls around, and Sunday is typically my least favorite uh, night of the week for shows. But it was the best show of the week. It was the best show of the week there, best show of the week at Rooster Tea Feathers. So Sundays, I'm starting to come around to them. I'm starting to come around to Sunday shows. So that was it. And then I came home. I've been hanging out. And then I did a show last night at Zany's, my Dusty Slay's grand old comedy show. At a hot lineup. I had uh, Willie B. Willie B crushed. Willie B, that's his second time coming back to my show. And... Um, he, he crushes and, uh, I like his comedy. And then, uh, I had other, I liked everybody's comedy on my show. And then I had Matt Taylor, who's a comic here in Nashville, fairly new, um, but really doing some good things. Uh, Drew Harrison is a guy I met in Wilmington at the Cape Fear Comedy Festival years ago. He has now moved to Nashville and is doing well. He had a great set on my show. And then a guy, Jeff Toy from, Louisville, Kentucky, that I met while I was up doing a basement show, and uh, uh, the guy seems like he would be like my nephew uh, or my cousin. Uh, He looks like me, and um, like almost like a county fair version of me. You know, like I'm I'm flea market dusty. He's county fair dusty, but. Uh, it was fun. He's very new into comedy, and um, but that's what I like about my show. I, I want my show to be a place where new comics can get a feel for what the club is all about because Zany's is a great club, and it's nice for people to get in there and feel it out, and I get great audiences. I get really fun people, so I always appreciate the people that come to my shows, and uh, as as I appreciate the people who came in Syracuse, um, uh, I think there was a couple people who, who didn't think I was funny, and that's a shame. Uh, but that's going to happen. That's also going to happen. Sometimes people are just not going to like you. You're going to be like, that doesn't make sense. But, you know, not everybody makes sense. Some people, you know, one of those shows, I, the show that I felt the worst about, I had three people come up to me after the show, tell me it was the best show they had ever seen at that club. So, um, 
you know, it's subjective. Sometimes people are not going to like you. And sometimes you're going to be in front of an entire audience of people that don't like you all at once. And you're going to go, how did you all come together on this day and come to this show? How did everyone not watch a video on me? Because if you watch a video on me, that's going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. You're not going to be surprised. You're not going to come in there and go, well, he had a video about this. And, you know, I may not do as many trailer park jokes as you'd like. I may do too many. Who knows? You may not expect me to do so many jokes about country music, but you're going to get the style. Rich Voss famously said, well, I don't know if he famously said it. He said it and it had an impact on me and I enjoyed it. I I featured for him years ago at Zany's and he was, uh, you know, kind of yelling at some people for not liking his comedy and he. I guess they were acting offended and he's a pretty offensive kind of comic and they were acting offensive. And he was like, how do you not, how do you not look up the comic before you come to the show? How do you not just kind of try to get an idea of what you're going to see? He's like, you never go to a music show and sit in the front row and go, I hope it's jazz. And, uh, I love that. That's the best line of that show was really great. Rich Foss, he has two quotable lines in there. I I met him a couple of times now. I think he kind of knows me. Um, after I worked with him and then met him on several occasions, I think he's finally remembering me now, but I, I love that show. That show really made me laugh when I worked with him. Okay. So, so what I've done is I've asked people to email me, uh, stories of them bombing. Some people sent me bombing stories to other people places like they commented on the thing itself or they sent me to my inbox but I may not read those not because I'm trying to make any kind of point but because the reason I ask for people to email them is because I can just pull them up on my computer and then they're all right here and I don't have to go to several different places to search for them Um, but um, you know there was some good ones Um, and then Mike James reached out to me and said he had a few bombing stories that he wanted to come share. So I thought, great, come on over. Let's talk about it. And um, so here's one. I don't even know if I read this one. I'm just uh, I'm just going to start reading this. This is from a... Uh, you know, I don't want to say anybody's name, but this is from a person. He's He does comedy. This was one of my first real club gigs I did, hosting on a Friday night, a 10 p.m. show at a casino. Wow, sounds like a disaster already. I worked a double that day, and the beer delivery driver, oh, as a beer delivery driver, serious physical labor, as it says, working from like 8 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., and the gig was two hours away. This gave me a little wiggle room, so I so immediately after work, I drove straight to the casino, smelling like B.O., having fast food for dinner, and made it there around 9.40. I was exhausted and did not know where to find any energy. Uh, so in the green room, I chugged two Red Bulls about 10 minutes before I got on stage. I'm not an energy drink guy. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't either. Two Red Bulls. We used to pour Red Bulls into a styrofoam cup at uh, at Hyman so we could chug it real fast, and we would get jacked up. All right, here it goes. I got on. I got on stage to a pack room. I did not bring a bottle of water on stage. I took the mic and immediately felt off. I just knew no pop, 
Uh, no pop on my typically okay opening line. Okay, no laugh on his opening line. I was a combination of physically, mentally exhausted and jittery. But the worst part is I didn't know that chugging energy drinks would dry up one's mouth. Better yet, two energy drinks. My mouth was so dry, my teeth kept sticking to the top and bottom teeth. I'm not sure what I look like, but I bet I was similar to Jim Carrey's Fire Marshal Bill character on In Living Color. I couldn't wet my whistle with water because I didn't bring any on stage. I could see specks of spit come out of my mouth and sputter towards the front row. You know, when you're super dehydrated and have cotton mouth, or if you're on drugs. That was my line I added in. Uh, It was that times 100. I was supposed to do 15 minutes. I did five. The feature was clearly not ready to go up and address this immediately. With the whole crowd laughing at me, I had bombed mics, bar shows, etc. up until that point. But my first bomb in front of a paying club audience is a real special kind of bomb. Uh, Okay, so basically, this story, this guy was not prepared, um, you know, had a bad scheduling conflict, and, you know, didn't take care of his body, right? You got to take care of your body. You got to eat well. Eating well is important. You feel bad when you, and then also, I, you know, you got to eat good because, you know, you get up on stage, your stomach feels weird, and your, and your whole body can be off by the way you eat. Diet is very important. I mean, I think that there's a, you know, for majority of my life, I would be like, well, I got to go somehow, you know, so I'm going to eat this double cheeseburger, right? But it's like, it's okay to eat some junk food now and then, but you got to take care of yourself. That's why I really do try to care about what I'm eating. I mean, I'm back on meat, but I'm not meaning that I'm going to a meat buffet anymore. I love meat. I ate a steak yesterday, a steak and some asparagus, but um Uh, Yeah, you got to take care of yourself. And I I never like to change up my routine right before I go on stage, right? Like if I don't normally drink energy drinks, I don't want to have two energy drinks right before I go on stage. Sometimes I'll have a coffee, dries my mouth up. But if you want to send me into a panic, um, you know, let me not have access to water right before I'm about to go on stage. I mean, I always have a water bottle with me. Even if I'm if I'm doing like a five minute set, I can do it without water. But if I'm doing longer than that, I want a water on stage because there's nothing worse than getting dry mouth on stage. I need it there just just as, just in case. So, um, so I'm just gonna read a few of these, and um, I, I don't know if anybody. Uh, mainly, what I want to do here is for people that are new to comedy and are worried about bombing or people that have bombed. I just want you to know uh, people are bombing. Everybody's bombing. It happens at one time or another, right? So you're not alone in that. You're not alone in the fact that you're, you know, you're you're like, um, oh, no, I did so terrible. I'm the only one who's ever done this bad. It doesn't matter how good you get at comedy. One day you're going to bomb and it's not going to make sense to you. Uh, so it's better to bomb right away. Go ahead and get it out of your system. You don't want to bomb so consistently that you – I mean if you're bombing every show, then then you're doing something wrong. You got to get it together. But, you know, no matter what you're up to, you're going to bomb sometimes. All right, here is another one. Uh, uh, this is a bombing story. Okay, I had been doing a lot of stand-up at this open mic when I first started. I was a, It was a little bit of a rough start. When I first asked questions about what the rules were for the open for the for their clean mic, the dudes would hear me ask 
and then give my boyfriend the answers to my questions. Okay, I don't know why they're doing that. That's weird. But I ended up making my place, getting into their showcase, and winning the showcase. Anyway, so after their showcase, I went to do the mic there as usual, and a friend was visiting and wanted to come. I had been to his band open mics in New York City, and he wanted to come see me in turn. Uh, And that night, several of the old dudes who were there decided to really focus on making sex jokes about me. Jokes about me having sex with them, jokes about me having sex with my friends, and jokes about me having sex, and I felt felt so thrown off. I got onto stage, onto the stage, and felt like, a, like, like stupid and little, and I seriously bombed. It was material like I knew and trusted and was not hitting the jokes right, talking too fast, and bombed. I went home, and as soon, as soon as the mic was over, and realized I never wanted to feel like that again, because people had made sex jokes about me, but it was so many this time, I wasn't able, I can't read, but, um, uh, but it was so many this time, I wasn't able to handle it, and realized I needed to learn how to handle that. It was just facts. The jokes weren't fun, and they were alienated to me, and made me feel unwelcome. So I worked on new material. The goal was to have jokes to be able to retake control of my narrative as I went on stage. This was going to keep happening, and I was right. At the final night of Marty's, this weird mic in Hollywood, I decided to go, to Mar- to go and Marty made some jokes about having sex with me. When I went up, I did new material where I explained that lots of men like to make jokes about having sex with me, but I don't let it make me feel special because there's a video on YouTube of a man having sex with a chicken, so I know I'm not special. Men will have sex with literal chickens, and it worked. I got laughs and felt like I was in control of how people saw me again. The joke about me having sex... The the joke about having sex with me no longer reflected on me. I turned it back on the guys, and I use it now whenever that happens. Um, that's great. That's a great story. I was I, ne- I never I didn't read that one actually before I uh, read it just now. As you could tell by how much I stumbled, and probably you didn't even understand it. But basically, uh, this girl is saying that um, she was doing really well at comedy, but then. A bunch of guys started making jokes about having sex with her, which uh, I don't get that. But um, and so it made her really nervous, and so she bombed. And then she was like, "I'm not. I don't want that to happen again." She didn't let it crush her. She said, "I don't like the way this feels, and I don't want this to happen again." So now I'm going to write a joke so that if this happens again, I have a joke. And she did that joke, and she took control. And I think that's a great example of how. You control your own destiny on stage by the jokes that you write. When people – that oh, man, that's a, it really is such a great story because it's like you know people are going to do things, and people are going to do things that we can't control. That's going to happen no matter what we want to call it, no matter what label you want to give it. Uh, some people would listen to this email and go, well, those guys are sexist, and sure, maybe um, – But I just think they're just idiots trying to make – they're just trying to be funny. We're all just trying to be funny, right? So rather than her going, well, I can't go to this mic because these people treat me this way, she said, you know what? I'm better than they are at writing jokes. 
So I'm going to go ahead and write a better joke than them, and that way when they do it, I'm going to belittle them, and I'm going to belittle them with comedy. I'm not going to come at them in an antagonistic way. I'm not going to try to attack them. I'm just going to be funnier than they are. I'm going to outright them, and then you you take control. That's great. I, I love that because that's what you got to do. You, people get so caught up in – I'm going to let this or this or this hold me down that I'll now use that as my excuse for not doing as well as I should be doing in comedy. When I think you just got you got to go out and you just got to take control. You got to write better jokes. You got to be better. I love it. Thanks for sending that. Uh, here's another one. I think this is more of a band. Oh, yeah. This is my friend. Uh, he said, I was playing uh, an after party for Rinkin Surf Fest sponsored by Don Q Rum and started the show off by saying, thank you, Bacardi. The Don Q rep and the festival organizers were not happy at all. That's how I started the show with them yelling, Don Q at me. I said, my apologies, Don Q Rum. Thank you. And began my set. So that's fun. That's a quick one. But yeah, you don't want to get the sponsors wrong. They don't enjoy that. I'm going to read a few of these, but I what I think that I might do, if people want to keep sending these in, I think I may re- read a bombing uh, email every episode. I think it's fun. There's a book out there called I Killed, and one guy was on st- – he, he was telling a story in there. I really loved it. He was like in a Texas bar, and he said he – basically, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of me, but he was like, I, we were up there. We were doing comedy. The comedy was not going well. They had to stop the music to do comedy and he said some guy some cowboy got on stage took out his pocket knife cut the mic cord and said comedy's over let the party start or something like that and i love that that was always one of my favorites um okay let's see here's one i did a christmas banquet for a church in east tennessee There was a family sitting up front during the meal and the kids had been running laps dancing and playing and playing games in the area I would be performing. They continued even once I went to the mic and the parents did nothing. I made a couple of passing jokes about trying to do comedy with the kids circling me and having a dance-off beside me, but the parents still did not respond. So I took the passive-aggressive approach and started telling jokes. I felt... Oh, 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 okay, all right. Uh, So I took a passive-aggressive approach and started telling jokes I felt would be shots fired at them. I did bits about shady managers at Dollar General trying to buy cigarettes with EBT card, and Alabama fans keep marriage in the family. Nothing wrong with that, you know what I mean? After the show, I found out the dad was upset and felt personally attacked because I was three for three. Uh, the set was a horrible experience due to the Buckwild kids, but knowing I ripped on that one guy gave me some feeling of accomplishment. Other members of the church thanked me too because evidently the kids were doing the same things when they would come to church. Yeah, I mean, I hate a comedy show with kids in the room. I'm going to be honest with you. Last night, there was a guy who was 15 at the show. Said it was his first comedy show ever. Loved him. Glad he was there. Uh, But little kids? Oh, man. They don't get jokes. And, uh, um, you know, they don't get jokes. I don't even know why they're there, right? They don't. And then the parents are like, you know, people just think that comedians should be able to handle anything, right? That's what they think. 
So that's something to think about when you're thinking about these bombing situations. You know, when you're new in comedy, just do every gig. Just do every gig and just start to realize, start to, you know, be observant about everything. Like go, okay, all right. So I did a I did a church gig. I was on the floor. There were a lot of kids in there. That didn't go that well. So remember that. Because the next time you're offered the church gig, still do it, but just realize that it's probably not going to go that well. And if it does, you'll be shocked. And and a church gig is fine, but when there's kids involved, you're really limited on your material. Um, and because if you do a really smart, well crafted, clean joke, the kids aren't going to get it. I'm not saying kids are dumb, but they don't get jokes. They laugh at poop, and you know they they laugh at physical humor. So if you're just a a comic, um, then and then here's the story. Um, this one, I think, is a good story that illustrates how you should know your audience. And if if you just go, oh, I'm going to do this joke no matter what. I don't care if they like it or not. Then they're not then they're not going to like it, and you're missing the point of comedy. I'm not attacking this guy. I'm hoping that he realizes this now because I think in this joke, uh, it's supposed to like it's like you're supposed to side with him, right? Obviously, because everybody is against this now, and so you have to be on his side but it's like you got to understand that not everyone agrees with you and it's okay if they don't and and if that audience disagrees with you they're not going to like your jokes uh he says all right i open with a bit that ends up taking a jab at the confederate flag admittedly it's risky and even more so as an opener i like it there because the heightened level of tension makes the payoff hit harder i usually only do it uh do it in the urban rooms here in Atlanta, but lately I've been using it for any audience with no issues. Friday night, I'm hosting at the Comedy Zone in Greenville, South Carolina. It's my first time there as a paid comic. I'm thinking this was my chance to get the foot in the door. I go up, start the bit. As soon as I say, uh, I live in the area where they still have a lot of Confederate flags, the audience starts cheering. I nearly crap my pants. Uh, it never occurred to me that anyone would openly cheer for that flag, much less the whole crowd. The joke continues. My friends say the flag is not a racist symbol. Crowd cheers again. That flag represents a way of life. The crowd cheers again. And after living in that area for the last two years, I'm starting to agree with them. Huge cheer now. Because now when I see a Confederate flag, I don't even think about racism. I just think, oh, another mobile home. Utter silence. The silence lasted for the rest of my set. Pretty sure I'll never see the inside of a comedy zone again. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? You're out here. You're trying to get booked. The comedy zone has tons of rooms. And now you might have screwed yourself from getting into any of the other comedy zones. And I know there's a tendency to be like, I don't care. I don't even want to work those rooms. But it's like... <laughs> You need, especially when you're new, you need every room that you can get. You need stage time. Stage time is the most important thing. So regardless of the context of this email, if you're doing a joke that you know you know is going to offend anybody that likes the thing that you're about to say, no matter what it is, if you if you like if you're like oh man. Uh, if your joke is going to be like how you hate NASCAR, but you start the joke off by going, I love NASCAR, and then everybody cheers, that joke better be good. That payoff 
better be good. Because all you did in this joke, in my opinion, is you uh, you took an audience that you knew was not going to like the joke, and then you ended the joke by just making fun of people that live in trailers, uh, which as a, a trailer, a former trailer dweller myself, um, I don't want you know, people taking some kind of weird shot at me like that. So I'm probably not going to laugh at the joke. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to uh, want you to never work there again, but I'm probably not going to laugh at it. And so if you start your set, I say never start your set with a controversial joke uh, because it does set a tone. If If they like it, great, you're off to the races. But if they hate it, then, um, well, you're probably going to bomb. And so that's the only ones I'm able to get to tonight because I got quite a long interview with Mike James that I'm going to latch on to this. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to do more of these. I'll probably do a bombing story every uh, week. So if I didn't get to yours, I will get to yours. Uh, thank you for sending them in. Um, I got a new video out on YouTube about my trip to Dayton, Ohio. And it's very good. My friend Matt Price, who makes a lot of the bumpers for us and stuff, he uh, filmed and edited this video, and it's really good. He doesn't do this professionally. Matt Price has a completely different job. He doesn't do anything related to video. He doesn't even want to do it. Um, he's like, I don't want to even do this, really. He's like, I'm, I'm just enjoying uh, filming this and editing this. So he's not looking to make it a career. So I want to give him credit for it, but he's also not looking for other work in this area unless you want to pay an uh, uh, unbelievable amount of money. Because that's what I told him. I'm like, what gig would you turn down if uh, people gave you some unbelievable amount of money, right? I mean, who would? Okay, so... Like, I don't want to do a comedy at a church with kids running around in there. But if somebody throwing a bunch of money at me, I'll do it. I'll go out there. I'll do some physical comedy. I'll do some dookie jokes. Okay, so here we go. I have an interview coming up with the very funny Mike James. And I have a button on here that I think will intro him, but I don't know what it is. Let's see if this is it. That's not it. But I like this song. I think I had this one as, uh, I used this on one of my own videos. This is some royalty-free music that I found. And I can, you know, wow, this is popping. All right, hey, uh, get ready. Very funny comic, Mike James. Okay, here we are. We're having a good time podcast. I've got my special guest in the house. Um, he is... Uh, local here to Nashville, grew up here in Nashville, uh, has done comedy with um, uh, Ralphie May. All over the country used to do comedy with Ralphie May. He does comedy now all over the place with Lonnie Love. Uh, he's been on Gotham Live. And here he is, Mike James. Yeah, hey, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, it's exciting. We're having a good time here. Um, and first time on the podcast. Yes. Uh, yes. And Mike just got back. We were just talking. He just got back from Stand Up Live in Huntsville. Yeah, that was cool. Opening for Michael Winslow, yeah, who I opened for and talked about before. Yeah, that guy's that guy's interesting, man. I mean, when I was a kid, Police Academy was right. where it's at, right? It, I mean, it was amazing, and and the fact that he can do those things and to see to like it's, it's one thing to see it on TV. You're yeah. like, well, how much of that is he actually doing? Yeah, then you see him actually doing it. It's yeah, crazy. He, he did like a whole Star Wars scene yes, when I was with, with the, him with the video in the back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did that. It's crazy. Pretty crazy. And, you know, there also was a Bobcat Gold, 
Twait was in that show. Really? Uh, on that show, and he's like another comic. Uh-huh. And he is the guy with the voice who right. does the. the and I remember my stepbrother, my older stepbrother, was like, he was like, he really talks like that. And then he goes, he got all serious. He goes, and it hurts when he talks like that. <laughs> and we all felt bad for him, but I thought, you know, it's like, it doesn't hurt. He wouldn't be doing movies. <laughs> who would talk? If <laughs> yeah. It- <laughs> It's like they just had to hire this guy. Like you got to do it. I know it hurts to talk, but you got to do it. <laughs> and my stepbrothers used to lie to me all the time. I don't know if they were lying to me or to themselves. Right. But. Uh, <laughs> it hurts to talk. What would be the point? I would never be a stand-up comedian if it hurt. I know. That's the that's the one thing you don't yeah, want to do. Right. <laughs> right. It's like if our throats hurt a little bit, we don't even want to do the show. Much less going into comedy. You know right. what? I, you know it hurts. The one thing it hurts for me to do is talk. I'm going to get into comedy. That's the one thing. Strictly vocal. Yeah. My stepbrother. You know, my we all had weird lives growing up. So my poor stepbrothers. But I'm not making fun of them. But they would lie to me. Right. And uh, my one stepbrother told me that his brother-in-law was very fast, very fast. And at the time, Jackie Joyner Cursor was the hurdler, the very right, fast right. Olympic hurdler. Yeah. And I remember saying that my stepbrother saying that his brother-in-law could beat her uh and he said because no woman could beat his his brother-in-law yeah, he said his brother-in-law once uh he was chasing a deer the deer went the long way or the deer went took the shortcut his brother-in-law went the long way beat the deer killed it killed with his bare hands i don't remember I've, oh, i, I no. want to it could have been a gun who knows but he only would say he's fast yeah. he never he didn't say he was rambo but it, <laughs> I don't. He was so fast. Clearly, he yeah. Catch a deer and kill it. <laughs> yeah, he said Jackie Joyner Cursor. He could beat her, and wow. I was like, "Wow!" I would love to he see said that. he had been to the Olympics like three times, I think, and he couldn't have been older than twenty five at the wow, time. His brother in law, so he got started pretty early. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, what is it? So the Olympics every four years. Yeah, I mean, so he would. Yeah, he would have been pretty young getting yeah. into it. He's very fast. Yeah, that's you know. Fastest. I've ever heard of. But, you know, we were just kids, so I like to think that my stepbrother prop you know, he's not my stepbrother anymore, but I like to think he he doesn't lie like that now. I, I would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? People used to tell a lot of lies. People were always oh, lying when I was kids. Dude, I've heard so many people just make up weird stuff about one lady told me she was uh she was in a shootout on uh Jefferson Street, right? She said there was they they went to some I forgot what was happening. She said it was a shootout where a car jumped over another car, and she was sitting there watching it in a seat. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a grown woman. The, the shooter jumped was, over a car? The car jumped over another car. Oh. Yeah. Wow. While she sat there and watched it. Wow. Yeah. And this was, a, she had to be close to 50 at the time. Wow. Yeah. That's just, uh, it's just like, sometimes it's like, you're looking at the person and you're like, you know, I don't believe right. this, but you're telling it to me anyway. And I'm just, and I'm still just sitting there listening. Like I should have just stopped it. I had a friend that used to tell lies, but he would tell lies about me making me cooler to other people. And so I didn't always mind it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but sometimes I'd be, we'd be sitting around and he would be telling this lie to other friends. And then I would make eye contact with those friends. Yeah. Like, we all know this is not true, right, but like, we're going to let it happen here. Allow him to do what <laughs> yeah. he does. Yeah. 
Oh, he used to talk about, you know, he would he was the kind of guy's like he would exaggerate about how many drugs he had done. He was like, Oh, last night we drank fifty beers, we did a eight ball of cocaine, we took two ecstasy pills, we smoked a little crack and and you know, just it would just yeah, just go on and on. Yeah. Like it was wild. And they look at me and I'm like, Yep, 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 we did. It's amazing. (laughs) It's It's amazing that I can talk to you right now. So I've been talking about I put out a post about people emailing me about bombing mm. on stage, and uh, I feel like you have to clarify. Someone said I should clarify, and I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure yeah. we're not. You know, I don't have a podcast. Like, tell me about when you blew up a building, right. and uh, and, <laughs> and about when know. the car jumped over another car <laughs> while you were blowing up a building. But <laughs> you gotta know. I'm sure that, I'm, if you're in the comedy, you know what bombing is. Yeah. yeah. But so, and I've asked people to email me things, and I've. And they did. Any and, wild uh, ones? Uh, there's a few, yeah. And uh, and the way that, just so people that know listening, I'm recording this with Mike now, but I'm pretending as though I've already done the other half of the podcast. So oh. I'll say there were wild ones, and I've, I read those. Oh. And, <laughs> and, but I've not read them yet. <laughs> there were some pretty good ones. Um, and uh, But I feel like... I don't know. I feel like a bombing story. You know, you can if you just write it, you're just like, oh, I went out there and I told a joke, and then right. people didn't laugh, and then yeah. and I mean, then that's, it was, that's, you know, part of course. And but. some some of the bombing stories that people sent sound like things that just happened to me every week at an open mic yeah. for years. Yeah, nothing. Uh, yeah, like the people in the back of the room are talking real loud, and it's distracting me, and now I'm losing focus. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> welcome to comedy yeah i mean i used to i used to run an open mic where you know i would basically bomb every week up mm-hmm. there and then and then all, because no one was ever paying attention yeah but on the nights where w- people would pay attention it'd make me super nervous because i'm like oh no yeah i didn't really prepare jokes right right right, right. <laughs> i didn't think you guys were gonna listen yeah there used to be a uh, this bar it wasn't even a country bar but I, there was a saddle on like a part of the wall Mm -hmm. and people some, and there was this girl one night, she sat on the saddle and yelled at everyone. And I remember one of my friends bombing pretty hard. I mean, uh, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. It derailed him for a while though. Cause she, she had some pretty cutting comments. Like, yeah, like I had a joke that I used to do and it was pretty cheesy, but uh, I thought it was cool at the time. It's a long drawn out thing where I would have audience participation and, and, uh, and then she, and then at the end she was just like, wow, that's the joke. <laughs> and I never did it again. <laughs> I was like, you know, it doesn't take much. I was just like, she's like, wow, I really took a lot to get to that joke. <laughs> and I wanted to just drop the mic and leave. But, but Mike said that he had oh, some, some, some bombing stories that he wanted to tell me. Yeah, man. Um, and I, I want to hear him. I'm anxious to hear him. It's, 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 I mean, so, you know, when you do comedy, especially like do the hard black rooms. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you, you're gonna, <laughs> so I think I was maybe, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just want to say one time, um, Ron Ron invited me oh, to yeah. do his show at High, High Five. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that the night me and you both were there? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, oh yeah, I don't think I forgot about that. One. I really don't think my set was so bad. Yeah. But the thing that always makes it hard about a black room to me is I've never been booed, mm-hmm. but they will look at me in a way like this is what you thought was funny. 
And I'm like, I, and and when I'm on stage doing the jokes, I'm like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, you're right. These jokes aren't yeah. that funny. I mean, you can feel like that. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like at that, at that, I forgot about that show. I mean, that show, like, I literally walked through the cl- crowd to each table and told a joke. Oh yeah, they weren't paying attention. Like somebody was like, they they had one table. They were actually playing cards, like during oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? You can't. Those don't hurt my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, I, when I walked in, I was like, all right, this is, that's how it's going to go. Yeah. I'm going to try my hardest. This is where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> this is a nice gauge of where I'm at in yeah. my career. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, the, the, when I first started, um, you know, I, it was a guy, uh, here. He, he doesn't do comedy anymore. Uh, at least not here. He moved to Atlanta. A guy named, uh, Renegade. Okay. Kevin Green. We used to call him Green. Uh, he had a room called um, The Place, right? So The Place was on a Tuesday night. This was uh, this was hood night, right? So you knew what you were getting in there. Um, but, I mean, the good the good thing about it is when you do those kind of rooms, it, it, it sharpens you. It gets you, you ready. It's like I don't and – and you go into a mainstream room, you go into a, a normal comedy club, it's not going to shake you because you've been through worse. So um, uh, one night uh, it was a, it was Monique. She was coming into town and they were having a contest for the person. The person who won the contest gets to open for Monique. Uh, I'm a year in, so clearly not ready for this. And uh, I so, love it. <laughs> so uh, the bad thing about it is uh, the, the they didn't know. The crowd didn't know. They didn't come to see a comedy show. They came to party. They were they were having a they, the club was going on. Oh, so they didn't even come to see Monique. No, no, okay. I mean, no. Let, let me let me let me back up. Monique was coming at a, another day. Oh, she was oh per- okay. She was actually performing at the Ryman. Okay, not the Ryman. Uh, 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 Grand Ole Opry. Oh, okay. That's where she was going to be. Yeah. So the winner gets the over for her. Yeah. Um. So we go to this club. It's a Tuesday night. And uh, everybody's partying is packed, right? And it's just getting more packed by the minute. And uh, it's about 11 comedians, black comedians, white comedians, nice little mixture. So we get there, and everybody's on the dance floor partying. And the DJ says, all right. He cuts off the music and said, all right, everybody, we're about to have a comedian. Everybody, we're about to have a comedy show. Everybody sit down. And immediately they started booing great way to start yeah uh, so um i was middle in the middle so uh uh it was you know the first person goes up he gets booed and you're like oh my god i was like i don't want to be i don't want to go through this and like i said i might have been a, a year or two in i didn't want to wait so as it got closer to me going i said i'm about to leave right yeah i'm, I'm, I, I I'm not gonna even put myself through this so I started um, trying to ease my way towards the door, and uh, it was so crowded. You kind of got to slide past people. Well, then they called my name. Uh, right now, I'm like, ah, I gotta go. To, I gotta go to the stage. So I'm trying to ease my way to the stage, and it's taking a long time. Well, somebody jumps on the stage and says, "I'm Mike James." They boo him immediately. Now, I've already been booed and I ain't even touched the stage yet, right? <laughs> so, so, like, I'm, th- I'm like, I wonder how this is going to go. So, I'm like, I, I get, I finally get on stage. 
I uh, I grabbed the microphone, and as soon as I grabbed the microphone, somebody in the back said, "Shut up!" And I, I was, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm like, so I'm up there, all of a minute and a half, right? Um, I'm trying to trying to go through my my set, and uh, uh, this was uh, around the time when Pac Man Jones was part of the Titans. And uh, he he was on suspension for whatever happened in the strip club, and uh, I started talking about something I can't remember, and uh, he said, "Man, kill yourself." Oh, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "So right when he so, says this, so who says kill you? Pac-Man Jones? Pac-Man Jones? Oh gosh, okay, yeah, all right, okay. So, <laughs> so everybody's on board with him. Everybody loved yeah. that. So then then that's when the 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 booing started, and. Uh, I was so green. I'm like trying to, <laughs> I'm like trying to plead with the audience. I'm like, you know, if you guys just give me a chance, I'm sure you'll like what I have to say. And uh, they're like, they're booing anyways, right? So I just have to tuck my tail and leave. the sh- The show goes on. Pac Man is starting to cause some problems, and uh, it was another comedian, uh, this guy named Tim Lyons. Uh, he quit doing it, but he was really funny. Right after the show, he quit. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I should have, but he goes up and he's um, he was like, man, before he went up, he was like, I'm gonna get him for you. So I was like, all right, man, great. So he goes up there and uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, he said something about Pac-Man. I forgot what it was. It was something to the effect about him being suspended and uh, Pac-Man starts walking towards him. And, you know, we all run up to the stage to kind of protect him or whatever. Something happens. So then he finally walks away. So Tim's going through his set. And um, I don't know what happened, but somebody threw a, a, a chicken wing at oh, <laughs> from man. the back of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it hit him right in his chest. Oh. And he had this... <laughs> He had this polo on, right? Oh, no. <laughs> with, this, with this grease thing. He had a big grease thing from this chicken. Now, as funny as it was, it scared me, right? I'm, like, super scared now. Not because not because he got hit with the chicken wing. I was scared because they weren't selling food at this place. Okay. okay. So, it's like, <laughs> it's like, where does this what is this chicken wing but i mean so somebody brought their own chicken wing i don't know if somebody was like hungry and they brought in food or like they were watching the show and was like hold on i gotta i gotta do something about this and left to go get some food oh they got some yeah they got some takeout just to throw just to throw it yeah so but i mean that that was the kind of that was the kind of place it would be it would be like like you green would call us once a month like he would call me once a month to do this show. And uh it was like it got to the point where when you saw his number, it's like, oh, like I gotta do this wrong. Right. So uh one time he he called me up to go do it and uh and uh this set is just not going good. It's just you know, you know how it is. It's yeah. Just, sometimes it's just not there. Nobody's listening and I had on shorts, which to this uh, day, I don't know why I had on shorts. I had a brown shirt on. I used to wear cargo shorts all the time. On it's stage? The yeah, when I was first starting out, it's the worst. I don't know why we do. But I anyway, I had on some brown shoes, and uh, I remember it's just not going good. And there was a guy at the back of the bar. 
he yells out, hey, man, when are you going to say something funny? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, so, so I say to myself, I was like, you know what? You need to show him. He's a heckler. Deal with him, right? I'm green, though. So I, I, I don't know. So I, I say, hey, man, I tell you what, why don't you, uh, why don't you come up here to the stage? And I'm, I bet you I'll say something funny. So I'm thinking you once you address the the heckler, he's going to shut up. No, it, just the opposite. He came to the stage, which completely threw me off. And uh, like we're going back and forth. And he said one joke about me. He said I look like a piece of duty because of the, 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 the outfit I had on. Yeah. And the crowd just loved that for whatever reason. And I had no response to it. Um, so then uh, Green tells me to. He gives me the light, tells me to come off stage, and uh, uh, he goes on and just, like, tears into this dude. I was like, wow, I wish I had done that. So then the bartender comes from around the bar and was like, hey, baby, let me let me buy you a drink. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. She was like, no, no, you need this drink. Let me, let me get you this drink. So I'm like, wow, it was that bad. The next night at another spot. Completely different spot. I'm hosting this this this, this uh, show, and it's a, a, a table full of women to the right of the stage. And uh, after the show went good, after the show, I go up to the table. You know, I'm thanking everybody for coming out. I go up to this one uh, to that table, and I'm like, "Hey, you guys should come to uh, to shows at the place. We do them on Tuesday nights." And uh, one of the girls was like, uh, "Yeah, we know." We've we've been. I'm like, oh, okay. When 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 have you been? <laughs> she was like, oh, we we were there last night. Uh, she said, you shouldn't let them do that to you. You should stand up for yourself. <laughs> I'm uh, like, well, I kind of did my best. I, I thought they were gonna yell duty at you. <laughs> <laughs> that probably would have been better, dude. That well, was the worst, man. Anytime the music is cut off. And then comedy starts. It doesn't matter what kind of crowd. I was at the Greenbrier, which is this. Um, uh, it's a, a big casino, country club type place in West Virginia. I got oh, booked there, and it was like super swanky. Like, you know, they, they said, no, the comedians can't hang out after. So we, we got there. We did the gig. The moment why, why not? They don't even want us hanging out. They just – they let me hang out a little bit before, but mm-hmm. they were like, when the show – I guess – some comics before got drunk and was trying to, you know, uh, harass guests. And so they were like, once the show's over, you're out of here. Yeah. So it was me and Aaron Weber. It was supposed to be just me. It was a 30 minute set, but Aaron was already on the road with me some stuff. Okay. So I was like, you do 10, I'll do 20. We'll split the money. Right. And so we told the DJ, we were like, Hey, will you let the crowd know, you know, five, 10 minutes in advance that we're going to do comedy. Right. He was like, yeah, no problem. So we're out there. The dance floor's packed. The guy's DJing it up. And then all of a sudden he goes, all right, now we got a little comedy for you. And he brings Aaron right up. Aaron does 10 minutes of basically silence. And, uh, and then I go up, I think, okay, well he's, he's bit the bullet. Now I'm going to get it. And they just, I mean, I had been talking to people before the show. They were like, oh, we're pumped to see the show. And the dance floor clears and it's just an empty space that I'm doing comedy to. Oh, my God. And, I mean, I get some chuckles. Yeah. I mean, Aaron got some chuckles. I don't want to throw him under the bus. Right, right, right. But it's like, it was, I mean, yeah, there's no heckles. Yeah. There's no, but it's just like it's weird. Almost, you almost want the heckles, right? Yeah, exactly. A little, they're just like looking at their watches. Yeah. Like, we're ready to dance here. <laughs> it's like, 
And then when you look at people when they're when when you're up there and they just look like they're not part of the show at all, you're just like, why am I? Why am I doing this? Yeah, you 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 question everything in you one do. show. You do, and it's weird. There's like you can have a thousand good shows, but that one show is like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I kind of want to do this podcast about bombing, right? With people who are still doing comedy mm-hmm. and doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. Letting people know that everybody is oh, going to bomb. It happens. And, yeah. But you do have to, you have to learn from it. Like you can't. Well, I mean, like I, I think I, I always tell people, especially like the, the newer um, comedians, I always tell them I've never learned anything from a good set. Right. Like yes. Any, any time that I've learned something, it's been from, I mean, the most, I, if, if I do learn anything from a good set is okay, that joke works. Right. But I don't know why it worked. Right. When I bomb, I know why something didn't work, what I need to change about it. You just learn more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was in Syracuse this weekend, and I felt like overall it went well, but I felt like I was struggling a bit Mm -hmm. on some of those shows. It's not necessarily my audience. I've never – I was there with Michael Winslow in 2015. That was Mm -hmm. the last time I was there. And Sunday was my best show. Okay. Because by Sunday, I had rearranged my set. Right. I, I took all the inf- – I was like, all right, these are the jokes they laughed at. Right. These are the jokes that got me a lot of silence. So I'm going to put all those good jokes up towards the front, and I'm just going to come out hard. And you have to do that. And then once I got them, mm-hmm. the jokes that were getting a little more silence were better. Right. But, well, because they're, they're, they're ready to listen to them. Now. Yeah. Now they're on board with me. Right. But, uh, man, they were – I got this joke about where I'm peeing on ants. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's fun, but they were like, we don't know what this guy's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Where was I in Syracuse? I was in Syracuse back in, maybe in September. Uh, Whenever I was there, it was the... uh, the state fair was oh, yeah. there at the same time. So they were like, we don't know how the weekend's going to go. I could have used some state fair crowd in my show, <laughs> I think. But, the, uh, but you know, the um, you know it, for me, it's, it's not so much the loud heckles from the back that uh, get me. It's when people are up close oh. and they say something that, that hurts me. Right, right. But nobody else can hear yeah. it. So yeah. I can't address it. Yeah, I, I can't repeat. Oh, this guy just told me that they like the last guy better. <laughs> That's what Jeez. happened to me in Indianapolis. Oh. My first weekend headlining, they got they got you know I don't know if you've done crackers, but they have uh. seats basically right on the stage. Like there's a bar on the stage basically oh, wow. where people can sit and they're like almost propped right up on the stage. Mm-hmm. And I mean I love crackers. I've right. been there a bunch. Love that club. Uh, but this time, it was my first time headlining. It was Jeff uh, Bodart was featuring for me. Very funny, Indianapolis guy. Mm-hmm. Had a great set. So I went up. I'm like, ah, oh, we're having a good time. I think I was pretty new at saying we're having a good time. Okay. And the guy up front, very muscular guy, was like, <laughs> we were. And I was like, I was like, so I tried to address it. And he was like, oh, we like the last guy better. <laughs> this was two minutes into my set. I got 43 to go. I'm so mad. I don't know. I was like, can we kick this guy out? <laughs> the bouncer came. I think the bouncer came real, smaller than me, yeah. looked at that guy. He just turned around. He's right. like, I'm not, I'm not coming up there. Kick him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just eventually told the guy, I was like, all right, you're clearly the strongest guy in the room. No right. one's going to kick you out. 
Do you? Yeah. And then he just, I just started talking over him and then we, we moved on. You got to. Um, yeah. Sometimes, like, have you ever had a situation where um, the person, the person in front of you bombs and you're thinking, I'll show them. I'll, I'll, I'll show this crowd. Yeah. Every time someone bombs in front of me, I think like, that. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get up there, you're like, oh. Well, yeah, it's, it's not what I thought. I, I think the worst um, I remember uh, uh, I was I was going to Miami. It's a guy down there named uh, Malik Sannon. He had a room. Uh, what was the name of that room? I can't think of the name. of the room. It was a big. It was a huge room. Um, and I remember before I went down there, um, I talked to uh, Renard Hirsch. I was telling him what I, I was going to do. Malik's room. And I. Uh, he was like, oh, my God. He was like, dude, I heard that is the worst room to do. And I'm like, oh, I, got yeah, yeah. I got this. Yeah. So I go down, and uh, me, and my, me and my wife were down there, and uh, we got into this big argument uh, before the show. Mm, that's the worst. Been there. Well, for me, it, it's, it's different, though. When I get into an argument, I really don't care. So okay. it's like, so like it usually it's usually good for my show. Okay. So I, I like uh, we get into this big argument and uh, we head to the club and uh, I'm thinking in the back of my head like I'm fixing to show her who she's dealing with. Let yeah. Me, let me let me remind her who she's married to. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it 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 was weird because it was packed. Ari Spears was headlining. Okay. Uh, it was another comedian by the name of, uh, was a veteran named AJ Jamal. He was featuring. And uh, so uh, Malik goes up, and they love Malik, which Renard told me. He was like, you know, they only want to hear him. Uh, I go up there, and uh, first of all, I should have known. Let me let me back up. They had, like, dancers at this place. They had a stripper pose. Oh, yeah. So before the show, they had the dancers up. They also had a full band on a, on the stage, the stage was huge, like as far as height wise. And to get to the stage, there was a there were steps all the way against the wall, so it's like he kind of had to. It was kind of a long walk, right? And everybody sees you walk up this long walk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, but you're you're obviously telling jokes towards the front of the stage, um, and then like in the the very front, there's like uh, couches. For everybody to sit, I guess it looks like VIP type situation. Um, so I go up there and I think to myself, man, I don't, that's a long walk to the back. I'm tall. Let me just kind of try to step up on this, this huge stage. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I definitely miscalculated how tall it was. So I get up there and it's almost like I had to climb up and Malik had to <laughs> now the, the, the he's already introduced me. So the applause are coming to an end and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he like looks over and sees me struggling. So he like he's holding the mic and he, he reaches over with his hand to help me up. He has to help me roll onto the stage. Oh, no. That's how my set started. So I go up there, and man, I tell you, I probably was up there a minute and a half. A guy was just looking at me right in the front. He was just looking. 
and uh, he was so uninterested in what I was saying. He actually got up, turned his back to me, <laughs> and started talking to a woman. In, like, he could have just leaned over yeah. and talked to her, but he it was almost like he wanted me to know. Oh, he wanted you to know. He stood up and turned his back to me and started talking to this woman like I was not there. Mm. Dude, it was it, it got so – but it, the, 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 the only thing that made me feel better about that night is that everybody did bad. I mean, Aries was the, the headliner. They paid to see him, and he ate it. Like, he got so bad during his set. He was like, I feel like the stripper at the club that nobody's paying attention to, but every now and then somebody comes up and throws her a dollar. Oh, yeah. Like, that's how he felt. And, uh, dude, that was, uh Well, my. yeah, it's like I, I never understand strippers at the comedy club. It's like don't. What's the point? Yeah, don't put the entertainment everybody really wants to see right. next to, like, <laughs> secondary entertainment. Like I, I like to think comedy is much better than than women taking their clothes off, but you people know. love that. Yeah, people love it more than my jokes about Goodwill. Hey man, it's big business. Yeah, I mean they love it. Like, I mean, I'm told I just was told this the other day, and now it all makes sense that the club that used to be the Comedy Zone, Jokers in Milwaukee. Did you ever do that? No. They have a strip club above, so the comedy club's kind of in the basement, and then above is a strip oh, club. Wow. And apparently, apparently the the strip club to get into the strip club costs twenty bucks, but to get to the comedy show is like ten bucks. And if you go to the comedy show, you get free admission to the strip club. Oh, great! So people people just come to the show, yeah, to get into the strip club, and they're never happy. The only time I really got laughs there, there was a couple up front. They seemed wasted, and the girl was like missing a tooth and. Uh, it seemed like they had done some drugs, and I made a couple of jokes at them, and everybody loved it. And I kept thinking I could keep doing this, uh-huh. but I was like, I feel bad. Like I may only made the joke because they were saying something to right. me. But then I was like, I can't. I'm not going to make fun of you this whole time. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't even care. I could bomb the rest of the set. I I'm don't even care. It. Yeah, I'm not going to just make fun of you. 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 Yeah. Some crowds want that. Some crowds. Uh, that's why you know. It's, for me, it's like a, a last resort for me yeah. to, to to talk about somebody. Like I will, I will try to ignore you. Like I actually do this thing. I forget who I learned it from, but like if somebody, if it's a pocket or a table over here talking and they're real loud, I will go to the other side of the stage and face that side of the uh, of the crowd to and and that usually. Will will make them want to listen to hear what I'm saying because if yeah. this crowd's having a good time over here, this side wants to know what, what's going oh, on. Yeah. So that I, I I may take that that approach. Sometimes I just talk louder uh, to see if I just try to out talk them. Um, but I mean, every now and then you're going to have to address it sometimes. Yeah, I um, mean, and that, and that hurts. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to uh i don't like to uh uh talk about people but I, I i don't want people to get it confused i will do it like i can do it and i will do it if i have to yeah uh i uh one one technique i learned from uh ali sadiq i've learned i learned it from ali sadiq i saw lonnie love do it i saw ralphie do it where um if uh somebody is talking during your set you have a heckler uh I learned to 
when like if the, the the club is coming to put them out, I don't let them. I don't let them put them out. I tell them because what what I found out is that when you let them, when you let the club put that person out, well, they're worried about what the club would do. They're not. They think you can't handle yourself. Oh yeah. So they kind of. I mean, I know. I know they're doing it to help the show, but it actually. It, it takes it takes something away from 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 you. Yes, they they kind of look at you like, oh, you can't handle yourself. You had to have somebody else uh, fight your battle for you. So I don't I don't let them t- put the person out. I, I'm like, he's fine. Then I'm gonna address it. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna shut you up and go on with my show. That's just something I learned. Oh yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, I like when the club will go and say something to mm-hmm. the person, right? But I, yeah, I hate to see people be thrown out. Well, it's a bit, it's a, it's a big production. You yeah. know, they, you know, they got to get their stuff together. Sometimes they're, they're belligerent, they're yelling and they're making a big scene. And I mean, it's not like you can tell jokes through that. Right. You know what I mean? So you, it's just, it gets awkward. I, I saw someone get kicked out in a wheelchair once. <laughs> I wasn't on stage. I was, right. I was new to comedy. I was hosting and I just, yeah, they, 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 I don't think the lady in the wheelchair was the problem, but it was someone with her family oh. and they were so rowdy. They had to be kicked out. So they also had to like wheel the mom out oh in the gosh. wheelchair. Dude, I, um, uh, what was that? I was in, um, Myrtle beach uh, a couple months ago and, um, it was, a um, a, a table towards the back and, uh, I forget what, well, would you want to say which club? Uh, what's the name of that club? Uh, the Comedy Club of Myrtle Beach, I think it's. Oh, okay, it used to be Carolina Comedy Club. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Carolina Comedy Club. So um, there's a, a table to the back talking, and they're kind of loud, and uh, to the point where it's like when I got to my punch, one of my punchlines, it, it it didn't hit because everybody was hearing them, so I had to address it. So I said, I can't remember what I said, uh, and uh, this uh, lady sounded like she was drunk. Uh, what you expect? Um, so I addressed her, and I, I said something to her. It, but uh, uh, then her, it, she was with her, her parents, and her mom said something like, that's my daughter or whatever. And, and I mean, what the, what, the, what the woman said really wasn't that bad. I just had to say something because everybody's attention was there. But then the mom jumps in and then she's saying stuff. And I'm like, I have to now I have to go in. I had to go into her mom. So then she was like, that's not nice. I'm like, well, you know, you know, like I'm like, shut up. She's like, well, that's not nice. I'm like, well, please shut up. Yeah. So and then I mean, come to find out the the the, the woman, she was mad. And the woman um, was um, she, she was autistic. And she was like, she. I guess she complained that I I was going in on them. But I was like, well, your daughter wasn't the issue. You were. You know what I mean? Your daughter made some noise. We said something back and forth. But then you made it worse by whatever you were talking about. Yeah, people get sensitive. People do things, and then they get sensitive about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't get it. They get That's like a, like a, like a husband-wife kind of combo. Mm-hmm. It can be that, like, I feel like usually it's the wife – uh, that's had a little too much to drink, wife yeah. or girlfriend, she'll yell out, and then you have to get her to be quiet, and then the, the boyfriend or husband now has this uh, uh, duty to protect 
And it's like it's weird. I, yeah, it's like you're mad at me, but you know that she's the problem. Exactly. But but you know what? I it was weird because this past weekend, it was the opposite. So, um, uh, I'm on stage, and uh, you know, you, you, some people they're not intending to heckle, um, but they are heckling. Like right. they're they're you know they every time you say something, they're commenting. They're quote unquote helping. Right. Right. So if you if you say something, they're like, oh yeah, that's right, or whatever. Oh they yeah. Say. So uh, this lady, she's right up front, and she's doing that right. So, I mean, that's fine. I'm like, whatever. I, I, I'm still going through my set. And uh, <laughs> during the set, this woman picks up her phone and starts videotaping me. Now, I don't mean like holding her phone up and you can see you like, oh, she must be videotaping. No, she had the light on. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and she was doing this for a good five, ten minutes. Oh, right? no. So, um Michael is uh he's a, a clean comedian uh so I I try to keep keep my 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 stuff clean you know whatever the headliner is if I'm opening I'm going to do that so um I feel like in those kind of situations it kind of handicaps me because I don't know if I address this lady I don't know what she says so I don't know where it's going to go so I didn't say anything to her well Michael gets up on stage and uh, she's just loud. She gets louder and louder. And finally, it got so bad, like her husband got mad and picked her up and left. Wow. He did the bouncing. Wow. Yeah. That's how that went. <laughs> wow. That's probably her husband probably got dragged to the show and he's like, I got to get you yeah. out of here. <laughs> You're embarrassing. But people do that to me sometimes. The light really bad. And I'll say to them, I was like, I don't know what, and I try to do it in a fun way. I'm like, right. I don't know what's going on here, but you're blinding me right, with this right. light right now. I, I don't get that. Like, why would you think it's okay to right. just record? They tell you not to record. Right. You're not allowed to record, but also don't blind right. me with this light. <laughs> that, well, was, that was a first. I have, my, my bombing story is an Aerie Spears thing. I always like to tell this. I, I featured for Aerie Spears three weekends. Mm-hmm. And the first time there was a host in Kansas City, Great weekend. Loved it. Okay. I was so pumped. I was like, oh, I love the Airy Spears audience. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Next weekend, we were in Rich, Richmond, Virginia. And I, was I gotta so, go there in a couple weeks. I was so pumped because yeah. I was like, man, I had such a good time with this crowd last time. They're going to love me. Mm-hmm. We get there. There's no host. He wants two-man show. Yeah. Two-man show is my nightmare. Yeah. And so I go up the early show Friday and it goes okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I got it. It's it's not as fun, but it's okay. Right. Late show Friday. Those are the worst. I'm up there. I'm getting no laughs. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I always do my time. I, I never come off early. No. And I bet I was, I was doing 20. I bet I was up there 10 minutes. Silence. Yeah. And this guy makes some weird noise out in the audience. And I go, oh, somebody's dying out there. Yeah. And he goes, no, you're dying. <laughs> and... I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, I said something like, well, I'm still getting paid, right. which was not what I wish I would have said. I wish I'd have had something. I wish I would have just acknowledged it. Be right. like, yeah, I am dying. Yeah, I think rough. that would have been funnier. Yeah, the crowd appreciates that. But I didn't know what, and then and then it just, I ended up getting off like five minutes early, I wow. think. I was like, because I tried a few more things, yeah. and I was like, I, I can't do it. I don't know what. I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and get Aries. Because Aries is going to do close to two hours yeah, anyway. he's going to do his time. So, 
Um, and then, so the next night I talked to the manager, I was like, you gotta get me a, you gotta get me a, a host. Right. So he got me a host for the early show. Mm-hmm. And then I had a great set, my best set of the weekend. And yeah. then Aries was like, Oh, I don't, I, he said, I just want to do the two man show. So I fired that guy and I was back bombing again on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. I hate those bombing again on Sunday. <sighs> and I was that weekend had me questioning, um, my comedy because yeah. I was like, some of them will. Some weekends just aren't like I've had weekends, and and usually I'm I mean I'm able to turn it around, right? Because uh, you'll you'll have those weekends where it's like some crowds are like I I can't figure them out, and I've I've never, and I, I knock on wood on this one because in the time I've done it, I've never had a weekend where I could not figure out the crowd at some point, right? right? So it's like you you okay I. The first couple shows were horrible. It's like, what am I not? You know, you go back to the room, and he's like, oh, "What? What am I not doing? What? What do I need to? Maybe I need to take what I do on the back end, put it up, move it up front, right? Right. And, and usually, because I mean, obviously, you're 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 the closer you get to the end, that's when your your material is is stronger. So maybe I need to move that up front. And and see if I can get them. If you can get them early, then maybe that'll work. Yeah. Well, my strategy is always start super strong, end super strong, mm-hmm. whatever, and put anything new in the middle. In the middle. But I mean, that's what I was. That's what I was saying in Syracuse. I was like, that's what I had. Mm-hmm. So my early part was going well, and then the moment I hit that weaker stuff, mm-hmm. it it it's, felt weaker. Yeah. So I moved everything that I had that was good yeah. up to the front. And that that yeah. And then I was like, and then that worked. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just like I said, man, you, you, you should, I mean, nobody wants to bomb, but when you do, you should definitely look at it as a learning experience. Like I, I think you, the uh, club in Louisville, I did oh, that. Yeah. Oh, and Hannah's done that. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was my first, like my first time working a weekend. I was hosting uh, for Spike Davis and Renard was featuring and uh, there was a guy that was sitting in the front, and he just looked like he was just not having a good time, right? He was just just sitting there, and just like the whole time, he was just looking at me. So I was like, wow. So when I get out, I bring Renard up. I was like, and I'm watching the guy, and he's still doing the same thing. So I'm like, I'm going to get this guy, right? So I go back up, and when, when Renard finishes, I, bring, I, I go back up, and I'm like, hey, sir, I'm like, uh, you having a good time? He's like, yeah, I'm having a good time. I'm like, you sure? Because it don't look like it, right? And um, I'm like, I'm I'm ramping up because I'm about to get him. I'm about to hit him with this joke, and uh, I'm going to get the crowd laughing at him. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, so as, as soon as I said that, he says, uh, yeah, I have uh, I have leukemia. Sometimes I get tired. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> And the only way that I can get people to understand how that felt is imagine running towards just running and all of a sudden a cliff appears and you have to stop. Oh, yeah. So because I had a joke already in the chamber ready to fire and he hit me with that. And it was just like I had no response to that at all. It was just like, oh, It's there. There is a, a key and pill sketch called Insult Comic. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever watched it, uh-uh. but just go to YouTube. Type key and pill Insult Comic. It's uh, you know, it's I I don't uh, it's one of the guys. I, I don't know. I think it's 
Keegan Michael Key, I think okay. is his name, the taller guy. Michael Keegan. Yeah. yeah yes. Uh, yeah. I just made him a first name and last name the same. <laughs> uh, but uh, he he's playing this comic that's going around insulting everybody. And then the other guy is in the audience. So he's insulting everybody. And then he sees that guy and that guy is like in a wheelchair. He's a burn victim and he just passes over him. And then he's like, he's like, you know, he has a voice box. He's like, do me, do me. And then, so it's just, it's that scenario in my head, but you pulled, you, you were not, he's like, I'm doing everybody tonight. And then he's like, do me. And then every joke he throws at him, it gets worse and worse. It's a guy named, it's a guy named, I got to tell this story. It's another guy's bombing story, but it's just so funny to me. Um, A comedian named Griff. Um, He's out of Dallas right now. And uh, he was telling me it was one time he was doing a show and it just was not going good. And he said it got so bad. There was a guy that stood up, basically sacrificed himself for the good of the show. and was like, hey, <laughs> I'm kind of funny looking. Talk about me. <laughs> so, so, so he says he tried to throw some jokes at him and he's, I guess it wasn't hitting. And the guy was like, well. I did my part. Wow. <laughs> it, just, it just happens sometimes. Sometimes, it, I mean, anything can make you bomb. I just never know. Yeah, I mean, when I left Charleston, I was doing comedy in Charleston. I was doing really well. It was mainly uh, theater rooms, kind of hipster crowds. You know, so I was just able to do my jokes. And then I start with well, the first weekend I did with the Comedy Zone. Outside, my first weekend was at the Charlotte Comedy Zone as a feature, okay. which was great. Right. So I thought, wow, I've got it. Right. I'm doing Charleston. I'm doing the road. I'm the best. Yeah. And then I went to Johnson City, Tennessee, oh. to the, uh, what is it called? Reflections oh. is what it was called, the, the yeah. bar at the Holiday Inn. How fitting. Yeah. and Because uh, you will be reflecting. Yeah. And I, I bombed that whole weekend. I think we all have. And then I went to there was a club out in another in North Carolina. Um I forget what it was called and I even forget the town, but I want to say Concord, but that doesn't make sense. That's not it. I forget what it was, but I bombed there too. Uh me and Kurt I didn't bomb as bad there as right. I did at Reflections. I don't count that as a bomb because of that club. Like that like nothing and, and, and the funny thing about it, I remember I was um um they were trying to get me to um, open for Damon Wayne's here that weekend, and I said, "No, I can't. I'm already booked uh. in Johnson City." So uh, I took, <laughs> I turned down opening for Damon Wayne's. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. But you, I'm sure you had no idea at the time. None. None. I mean, yeah. this was this was when I was just starting to. Um, I mean, I think this may have been my third or fourth place going on the road. Well, I bombed at about all the comedy zones at one point. Now, I think think that my my bombs, I mean, I'm still getting some laughs. Like, it's just like, I'm just kind of trying to figure out how to take this kind of hipster comedy I've been doing and and make it work for the road. And But what I started doing was I just kind of went through this process. Like, I would do my material, and then if that wasn't working, I would just go to some new joke that I was just thinking about and I'd go, you know what? If my A material's not working in here, might as well just try some new stuff. Yeah. 
And I wrote a bunch of jokes that way. That's, that's, that's the smart way to do it. So that's something, you know, if people are listening and wondering what to do after a bomb, I mean, that's what I did, where it's like, you know what, if the A material's not working, just try to write some new stuff, yeah. because it, it, it can't be worse than not working. No, exactly. Right? I mean, don't do, you know, offensive, you know, if you, you're like, well, all I got is my A material and these 9-11 jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, don't, don't do that. But I probably would I wouldn't go that route, guys. Right. But, um, but you know, because some of the bombing stories that people sent in was, you know, like people, you know, just doing weird jokes in the wrong kind of environment where yeah. it's like, uh, well, you, you should have known that wasn't going to exactly. work. Exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the big thing. Um, always read your audience. If you don't have if you don't have if you're not the draw act, then you need to read the audience. Right. You need to look out and see wh- who's coming. Um, the 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 <laughs> most ridiculous thing uh, I ever saw one time was a, a, a comedian who was opening that did not want to go out in the crowd because he didn't want the crowd to see him. Like, oh. I understand showmanship, but yeah. you're not who they're coming to see. Oh, right. right? Yeah. So go out there, yeah. see who's see what the crowd looks like, and go from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do get that in a sense where it's like, I don't want the audience to see me before I perform because right. it, it just feels weird. But also it's like, yeah, if you're not, if your name's not on the poster, if exactly. your picture's not up anywhere, no one knows who you right. are. You're not the draw X. So. I'm, I'm headlining places sometimes where I don't even think people know who I am. Right. But my face is on the poster. Right. But That's yeah. different. But it's like, if yeah, if you got all fat jokes and you go out and the audience is all overweight, that may not be the, no. that may not be the crowd for that. Do something else. Yeah. And if you're not, and I say go out there, I say go out there and look at the audience if you're not, if you're not seasoned enough to do it on the spot. If you're not seasoned enough to go on stage and observe and read your audience while you're starting up, then you need to find out beforehand to give yourself time to prepare. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes, cause I'll switch up midway. Like if I'm like, especially longer bit, like I got right. this five o'clock somewhere joke that can go on for about eight minutes, but if it doesn't work well in the first minute and a half, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to exit out of this. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. move on. I'm not going to bomb for eight minutes on this joke exactly. when I got some, you know, I got some weed jokes I can do to, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, cause it's like, sometimes I do that. Like I got some kind of sexual jokes, some weed jokes. And I'm like, if the audience is not into anything else I'm doing, I'm like, you know what? Let's go to these autocorrect jokes where I say, keep me coming yeah, right? Yeah. because they're going to be into that. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you just, I'll do some jokes about rubbing one out in here and they'll make gross noises, but at least they'll be paying attention. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, just that's, that's probably something I would say. Always know what you know, know who you're playing to. Very important. I think so too. And I think this has been great. I oh, mean, yeah, if, um, yeah. uh, is there, uh, where are you going to be at next week or this weekend? Or So this weekend I'll be here at Zany's, uh, with, uh, Pete Holmes. Oh, great. Um, and then uh, the week after next, I'll be in uh, Richmond, Virginia at the uh, the Funny Bone in Richmond. All right. So, yeah. I've been there a couple of times. I think the condo situation's different. Jason, uh, that managed the club, used to live in the condo. Yeah, he still does. Well, does he? I, I don't know if it's Jason. It's one of the guys, somebody that, okay. that manages. Well, I got to know Jason that way. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so we had a good time. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah we because we were uh, we bonded a little bit on the Aries Spears weekend because oh, I don't yeah. think – Aries was always nice to me as me a too. person, but he 
I don't think he was very nice to the club. And you know what? I hear that all the time when, when I bring him up because, you know, that's my dude. Yeah. But everybody's like, oh, this is, I'm like, I, I mean, I understand why you feel that way, but I've never had that experience with him. So I can't say that. Even and I don't know if he did this because he liked me bombing in front of him. But even on the shows that I was bombing, he he never was negative about my right. material. Oh, good. you know, he he well, that night that he got rid of the host. He was like, I just want, he's like, you know, he said, you know, you're funny. He's like, I just want you to go up there. You do your thing and then I'll come up. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've been seeing me bomb, here, but, <laughs> but okay. I appreciate it. He but, thinks I'm funny. Yeah. That's all that matters. But yeah, I mean, you know, so he was the first time I'll just say this. The first time I worked with him in Kansas city, mm-hmm. he, it was me and Hannah was there. And then the, the driver was picking us all up at the hotel. So, and, and then, we were all me and her and the driver were hanging out. We were talking. Then Aries came down, and he did not seem like he was in a good mood. Yeah, and it felt like when we all got in the car, it felt like that he was like the dad, and he had just yelled at us. Oh yeah, and so we were all completely silent, and he wouldn't put his seatbelt on, mm-hmm. so the car it kept dinging the entire way oh, to the hilarious. club. It just and no one, no one was like. I wanted to be like, hey, I think that's, that's you. I think that, but I was like, you know what? He knows it's him. I'm not. <laughs> and then, but I mean, the rest of the weekend was fine. He, uh, he's always been nice to me. Uh, yeah. But, but I don't think that the club, at least Jason, I don't think he was having a good time. I can't right. say that he wasn't, right. but I don't think he was. And, like and we, we bonded over because I, I was bombing. I don't yeah. think Jason was having a good time. I wasn't having a good time. <laughs> And uh, so Which is it was weird, fun. You always have a good time, right? But I wasn't saying it back then. Oh. You got to say it. Yeah. You know, you got to say we're having a good time for it to really take effect. <laughs> but uh, well, all right. Well, where can uh, people find you? Uh, so if you're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, it's at Third Pick uh, Comedy Three R D P I C K Comedy. I've always seen that with your. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a story behind? Uh, so so Third Pick. Um, Everybody knows Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan was picked third um, from by the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and then his whole career, he just wanted to show the world why he should have been picked first. So it's kind of like one of those underdog situations. Okay. Like, right. You know, anybody who doesn't feel like, you know, they're not they're, they, they, they People tell them they're not good enough to do something. That's what the whole third All right. thing is. Because I used to win third a lot mm-hmm. in comedy, early contest. Okay. It was a thing for me for a long time where I would say to people, I always win third. That's I funny. Don't, I always place, but I but never win first. Third. I always win third. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So third pick comedy, Twitter, Instagram. Uh-huh. Facebook. Uh, usually if you just put in uh, Mike James, comedian Mike James. Now make sure you put in Nashville because there's another uh, comedian. It's a white guy in Virginia named Mike James. Uh, and people sometimes I'll show up to venues and people think that they actually had at the Looney Bin they had a, a pic, his picture up. Oh man! I was like, that's not me. Like that's so they they had to go in and change it. But yeah, that, it's a, so it's another Mike James just in case. Okay. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks for coming by and doing this. Thanks for having me, man. It's a good time. All right. Cool. We're having a good time. Yes, sir.